This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. This is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thank you for joining us. Before we get started today, I just want to say thank you. Uh, we've had over 25,000 downloads for really what started as, a, as an experiment. I wasn't sure how many folks would be interested in a podcast on data and technology in the nonprofit world. And so, you know, it takes a little bit of time and energy to put these together. My request of you is obviously, you know, please keep listening, but consider sharing uh, a favorite episode, maybe it's this one, with somebody else working on social impact or nonprofit work out there and uh, yeah let's jump into the cast by now you've probably noticed a trend in these oh sorry that was actually a text message I, I just got to read it really quickly um, okay Oh, shoot, I'm late for class. What I just demonstrated there is exactly what Convolved, an amazing organization, figured out uh, when they thought about the problem of students basically missing class or being late to class. And what they did was created a simple solution that would text parents based on when the teachers reported whether their students were late or didn't show up. Welcome to episode 19, where we're going to be talking with Miriam Altman, uh, co-founder of Convolved, and seeing how they're turning the tide on tardiness with texts. Turn the tide on tardiness with texts. Turn the tide on tardiness with texts. Yeah, got it. How's it going, Miriam? It's going well, thanks, George. Well... Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, can you tell us who are you and what is it that you do? My name is Miriam Altman. I'm co-founder and chief business officer of Convolved. Convolved is improving graduation rates by increasing student attendance and family and community engagement through an application that schools and after-school programs use to track attendance data and immediately communicate with one another via text, email, and phone calls. What does that actually mean? I'm a parent, I've got a kid, I bring him to school, I think I bring him to school, and then I go off to work at Whole Whale. What, what the heck does your service do? So teachers will use the application, it's a web app, during the school day to just record attendance is the first function of the system. So they log in, take attendance. If your child is late to class or doesn't show up to class, you'd receive an immediate automated text message, email, or phone call in English or Spanish, if that's your native language, informing you right away that your child has not arrived to class on time. So you are able to actually look at the text message without even logging into the system, respond to the teacher, and follow up and find out what's going on. Wow, so you basically have automated like tattletelling. Like you're just like text tattletellers. I have heard that my friend actually described our app as our company recently as the Tattletale app. <laughs> All right, it's amazing. Um, but come on, like, there's so many issues right now with you know education in America, like failing schools. Like, why choose this as like you know attendance? So I actually was a teacher in the New York City public school system for a few years, and I was just astonished by a number of issues that are that are facing our schools and our students and families. But one that I feel was 
I felt was really not addressed, but was really an underlying issue was that kids were routinely absent, chronically absent, meaning they're missing 18 or more days of school per year, um, or absent even less frequently, but it had a direct effect on their academic outcomes. Uh, and when I started to talk to parents, I realized that even though I assumed my school was giving information to parents when their kids were later absent, most parents had no idea. So that really um, kind of got my wheels turning. Um, we started Convolved because we started to look at the larger scale numbers. So we know that in New York City, for example, there are 1.1 million students in the public school system, and 20% of those kids are chronically absent. So again, they're missing 18 more days of school per year, which is essentially a month of school, which is just tremendous. Nationwide, that rate is about 15% or 7.5 million students. The fact is that if kids don't show up to school, they're not going to succeed. And the data shows that attendance is one of the top three indicators of high school graduation. So for example, when kindergartners, 10% of kindergartners are chronically absent across our country, when they miss school at that rate, they have only a 17% chance of being on grade level for reading by third grade compared to about 70% of their peers. So this is an issue that starts really early and it has even greater effects as kids get older if we don't solve the problem. Sure, but how much is, uh, and by the way, I definitely agree, right? Like 80% of everything is just showing up, mm-hmm. right? Just for God's sakes, get to the starting line. Uh, but I have to question a little bit here. How much is attendance simply a, a symptom of something bigger going on in the family? Maybe if they're living with asbestos and they have asthma and they have a particular uh, issue on most days. And, you know, if I'm sick, like that's, you know, not going to fix my attendance. How is it that you're measuring the efficacy of this and what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the functions of, of the application actually is the ability to not only record attendance, send the notification to families, but it's much deeper than that. So we've built an interface based on what we've experienced in the field as well as talking to, to teachers as well that allows for teachers to go into the system and actually record reasons that kids are missing school whenever that information is available. And over time, the system aggregates that data and shows why individual kids, classrooms of kids, or entire schools of kids are missing class, including, um, as well as the day of the week, for example, or time during the year, kids are missing school most frequently. And by looking at that data, we're actually helping by providing on um, the ground support to actually implement interventions based on that data. So it's definitely a much deeper issue than just kids skipping school all the time. That is the issue sometimes, but sometimes you're absolutely right. There are much deeper issues going on. Give me some like exact numbers on what you know tattletelling has to offer for uh, school attendance. Absolutely. So um, in our first year, we worked with uh, the Ralph Bunch School, which is up in Harlem, um, just did a beta test of our prototype of the application and found that in that school, very high needs school up in, up in Harlem, we had about a 5% decrease in lateness specifically. And lateness is something that's often undocumented, but it has a huge impact on student success. So for example, in this school, one of the first grade teachers mentioned that she had one student in particular who was 45 minutes late every single day, and that's when she was teaching reading. And she was able to use the app to actually show the parents what the impact of lateness was having on his child and said, you know, if we don't change this, we're not going to be able to promote your daughter to second grade. So really being able to use app in that way. Over two years of beta testing with this school in particular, and last year we expanded our beta test to about 18 school sites across New York and a few other cities, but this was the second year we worked with that particular school. We saw an overall improvement in general average daily attendance by about one and a half percentage points, 
which correlates with thousands of hours of seat time, even though it may sound like it's not a huge number. Administrators get really excited about that. Um, this year, we are actually launching in about between 50 and 70 schools um, between the beginning of September and the beginning of October, essentially, we'll be in about 70 schools. That's through both traditional schools, really concentrated up in West Harlem and the South Bronx, as well as some other regions, um, as well as through after-school programs that are operating in schools all across the city. Um, we also have a few sites in Baltimore, Providence, Rhode Island, and Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, so those are some of the metrics that we're, we're looking at right now. And so what was the average daily attendance improvement uh, that you said you got? About one and a half percentage points across two years. Mm -hmm. Across two years, and that equates to how much school time? About, it depends on the size of the school, but several thousand hours of seat time mm -hmm. for these students. So I am a big hater on averages, because I mm -hmm. think they're misleading. And so I'm curious, as you dive into these data, uh, is this a tool that is particularly effective, say, uh, a little bit for a lot of people, or is it... Uh, you know, basically going after those outliers, the kid who's probably missing a disproportionate amount of school and helping identify those problem issues early and so that like that one kid is the one that is then uh, skewing or being the outlier or average. Not that either one is better or worse. Yeah, there are a couple of different ways that the application's been uh, used across the city. So sort of the general school setting, so entire schools using the system, but we also work with the Children's Aid Society which has something called the Success Mentors Program, where they put an AmeriCorps uh, member or a social worker in different schools across New York City, and those people use Convolved and use some other data from historic years to identify kids who are really, really at risk because they've shown patterns of chronic absenteeism in the past. And so in those schools, in those um, sites, the Success Mentors, for example, are using the Convolved application specifically with those kids. And I think it's going to be interesting to see over this next year where we really have some significant growth and see how the application is used in different ways, where it's going to be most effective. At this point, it's sort of hypotheses, um, but we're going to we're going to be able to see that a little bit more over the next 12 months. Everyone's so caught up with getting hated on all the time. This one's for the love. For the love, y'all. But not you, you stay there Forever treated me with the same care What it felt to me, so rare Where I'd rather be, nowhere We don't choke, we find air We get low, we climb stairs Had to find you, like a high flare I never die down, I swear It's easy being around when I'm a candidate we talked about some early success, some early data Like how, how big, like how big are you? How do you measure this? Um, I mean, we, we measure in terms of how many students we reach and how many families we reach. So across those 70 school sites, we have about 20,000 students who will be enrolled in the next couple of months. We've already onboarded about 10,000 of those students, specifically with a big partnership we have uh, that's launching this fall in West Harlem uh, across about 20 schools. And you know, our goal is to have 100 school sites using the program by the end of this calendar year, which is ambitious, but we're well on our way with that. Uh, and at that rate, we'd be able to serve somewhere between thirty and 40,000 students and their families as well. How does a school sign up with you? Uh, they can contact me directly, or they can go to our website, which is www.kinvolved.com, and sign up as an individual teacher who can use the account for free, or a school leader or after-school program leader who can get uh, follow-up information from me. 
So I feel like you're you're kind of crushing it right now. But I, I mean, I've had the pleasure of working nearby and seeing some days where you're pulling out your hair. Um, let's like throw back one and a half years. Like, what advice would you give uh, young, optimistic Miriam? You're still obviously young and beautiful, but even younger, still beautiful Miriam. You know, a year and a half ago, what like what do you tell yourself? Oh my goodness. There have been a lot of lessons learned. Um, one big lesson uh, was that my co-founder and I, neither of us had any tech experience in our in our background, and that's really huge. And we were sort of reluctant to bring on a CTO, and we wanted to see how far we could push by contracting out development. And our business has been able to thrive because we actually started hiring tech in-house and found some really great talent. Our CTO, Brad Gunn, um, leads that up, and that's just changed the entire game for us. If we hadn't done that, uh, we hadn't really spent the the time and the effort to bring that in house. We wouldn't have, we would not have a product that's scalable as it is at this point. I think also just being very uh, like adhere to the values of the organization. We are a for profit company, but we have benefit certification because we really believe strongly in our social mission. And there are people who are interested in funding companies that are only focused on scaling, especially in the education technology market. Um, and that's really not our approach. And so we have not, we've not been able to pursue funding from those types of sources. Uh, but we've been able to actually get contracts signed and have our customers pay for the application because we've proven our impact and proven our effort. And so I think I'm pretty proud of the way that we've decided to, to grow the business and the, the sort of strategy that we've taken with that. Go back in time, though. Would you choose a five hundred one c three instead of an LLC? That's a good question. We so we're actually a C corporation with benefit certification, but we definitely did a lot of research, went back and forth quite a bit about being a for profit or non profit. Really, up until we signed our first contracts, because we were having some difficulty figuring out how we were going to make ends meet for the first couple of months. Um, and I think we're really confident at this point in the uh, structure that we've taken. But if we hadn't been able to actually sign some contracts, we would have done some serious soul searching and potentially switched over to becoming a, a nonprofit. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, uh, you know, we obviously at Whole Well focus on working with not-for-profits and social impact organizations, but let's just be honest here. A 501c3 is just a rubber stamp from the government because you fill out the right freaking papers. Mm -hmm. You are doing amazing work and it's sustainable. I don't care what you call yourself. It seems like uh, your approach is working um, and technology is, is in line with that. So that's interesting. You get a CTO earlier in the process. I think I think it was the right time for us. I think if we had waited any longer, we could have we really could have had some some difficulty keeping the business going. But I do think that we took the appropriate amount of time to make sure we've chosen a member to join our team who really was the right fit, had the right social mission with the skill set. Um, we've been really happy with that and the time that we took to, to hire Brad. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about this uh, this phase where you said you were beta testing for two years. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I think we're always in beta. I mean, this podcast is in beta. Yeah. I'm testing things on you right now. You don't even know it. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was your approach as you were building this? Uh, did you go in the classroom? Did you, you know, go to parents or were you just like, let's hold up in this room and build this thing? Yeah, so we um, won a few competitions. We actually won one competition in particular at the University of Pennsylvania in 2012 uh, with an idea and a very basic wireframe of the prototype. 
uh, that we had developed actually at a hackathon at Pace University uh, earlier in that in that calendar year of 2012. Um, and we were able to show that and get some funding to actually build out the prototype that we were able to test out in um, in uh, PS125 up in, up in Harlem. Uh, that application was very, very basic. It had a roster of students and it allowed teachers to take the attendance, click a button, send one text message or email to one contact for each kid in English or Spanish. The language was very, um, it was um, stagnant or it was already chosen for them. They couldn't customize the language, which they can do now. Uh, and just with that basic functionality, we were able to see that 5% decrease in, in tardiness as well as anecdotal uh, improvement in family engagement. The school is saying that they were hearing from parents they'd never heard from before. And the parents were saying that they were contacting the school because they actually had a phone number in their hand through this text message that they knew they could call to find more information. A lot of times it's just a major communication gap and parents don't know who to call or know whom to contact or have the information they need to be in touch with the schools. And so throughout that year, it was just Alex and me, my co-founder, in graduate school, going to the school, doing focus groups about every two weeks or so with groups of teachers. Um, we, Alex actually went to conferences at the school and talked to some parents, got their feedback. And we talked to students as well uh, and found you know, that they really liked the application, it was working well, but that there were some things we could build and improve upon. And so we took that feedback. We were able to continuously iterate, you know, following the lean startup process and added on additional features last year during our beta test um, and have sort of continued along with that process of lean startup methodology, which we didn't even know was a thing until we were uh, in the NYU summer launch pad in 2013, right after we graduated. We learned a lot about lean startup methodology and we're pretty excited to find that we had already started kind of doing that intuitively on our own and, and that's something that we've built into our model um, and product development in an ongoing process. So maybe you've heard of the lean startup before, maybe not. It's a very commonly used term now thanks to Eric Reese's book, The Lean Startup where he champions this idea, um, albeit a simple one I'd say, of a build, measure, learn cycle of creating the base level product, what he calls a minimum viable product, right? The simplest thing we can put there out there in the world to see how people actually interact with it. And then you make adjustments based on the data, based on how people use it. And that's what you heard them saying, they just kind of automatically fell into because it made sense. We don't have a lot of money. Let's put something out there and see how this community interacts with it. A great example of why this can be so effective in the book, they talk about, let's say for example, you were making a whole bunch of invitations. Say it's your organization's job to send out tons of letters. And you do it and you decide to do a batch of 10,000 all at once. And instead of doing one by one, you decide to do all of the envelope addressing all at once, all of the message writing on the envelope at once, and then all of the stamps at once. And so you kind of move to step by step by step. Then you're on the final stage where you're folding the envelope closed and you realize on the last one, you know, number 9,999, that, oh my gosh, there's a typo in the copy of this envelope and this message that we're sending out. You have to undo all of those instead of thinking about it as smaller batch processing or doing a smaller example to make sure you have the process right before you replicate it a million billion times. All right, let's jump back into the cast. If I had like an investment firm and we were like looking for startups, like 
I think I would just choose teachers. I think teachers make the best product designers and builders because you're like, well, let's actually go to the classroom. Let's actually see how this is working. You built that MVP, the minimum viable product, straight out of you know Eric Reese's Bible there. Mm -hmm. And you tested it in the field and it took a long time to, to get there, of course, and refine it, but now you've got something that works. What's interesting is now that you have your, your product, how do you balance the sort of what you build next in your feature list? That's a great question, and Alex really is leading up this whole charge, but we get feedback all the time. So a big part of my role is doing the initial, having the initial conversations with principals and, uh, and teachers and after-school program coordinators, showing them demos of the app, and just by showing demos, I get feedback all the time. So I'm always vigorously taking notes, which I report back to Alex. We've actually built out a, um, a sort of a, a tool in Excel with one of our wonderful interns this summer where every time we get a comment that mentions a certain topic, for example, you know, they want specific types of data or um, you know, types of messaging or certain languages they want built into the application, for example, we flag those specific uh, comments and we categorize and kind of build a timeline and hierarchy of product development based on the number of responses that we get. So it's really actually quantified um, by what we're hearing from users, and that's how we, we build out the, the product development timeline in a lot of cases. Does your message, just change here a little bit, does your alert system predominantly rely on text message? Uh, it's text message and email. We mm -hmm. actually, interestingly, because text messaging isn't all that cheap, uh, but we interestingly were hearing from people sort of on the financial side who were advising us in that way that we should consider cutting out the text messaging and just doing this via email or just doing it via you know, smartphone messaging that's much more um, affordable. And we really said we didn't want to do that because we didn't want to be excluding parents who didn't necessarily have access to email, who didn't have access to smartphones to be able to receive those messages. Uh, so we found that text messaging is the predominant way that people are using the app to communicate. Um, and email is definitely the secondary way. What percent of your audiences, uh, of your 20,000 that are enrolled, you said, have elected for text message? Um, we'll actually be seeing that as they're enrolling over the course of the fall. Um, what we've seen in the past is I would estimate somewhere around 75% or more. We know just the research shows that 91% of Americans have access to at least a basic cell phone. And the populations that we're targeting in really more at-risk communities um, are actually gaining access to cell phones, specifically smartphones, at a much faster rate than the remainder of the population. Um, so that's really helps inform what we've decided to focus on in terms of messaging. Do you have any sort of like interesting stories? You're firing off all these text messages and it starts to get up there. Uh, I'm curious, uh, anything come up? Yeah, we had an interesting story from one of our, our beta test partners last year in Queens where a, um, there were two parents and one of the parents was in the Dominican Republic visiting family there. And he, you know, was far overseas, like four hour plane ride away, and he gets a text message one morning saying that his kid hasn't yet arrived to school. So he called the mother, and the mother had, I think, overslept was, was the issue, which is pretty common, and was really, you know, upset and, and made sure to get the kid up right away and brought the kid to school and came in and talked to the parent coordinator, and it was the parent coordinator who, who let us know about the story. Um, and you know, haven't had an issue with, with attendance with that kid as we've heard ever since. Uh, and we are hearing similar stories about, like that from, you know, parent coordinators we work with in schools across the city. And you know, the impact, being able to prove the impact by focusing and making this choice in our business 
um, helps continue, you know, helps us continue to scale. Principals want to know, have other people seen improvement in attendance and engagement as a result of partnering with Convolved? Um, and by focusing on the text messaging and making the financial decision to invest in texting, we've been able to show that impact, which has a, you know, a sustainable profit for us as well. So did I hear a rumor that you guys are actually accepting funding right now for another round? That is true. We are closing our seed round by the end of October, and you can get in touch with us through our website to learn more. Well, uh, as, we, as we get to the end here, how do people find you? How do people help you? Yeah, so we are always looking for more schools and after-school programs to work with. We are based in New York, and that's where much of our, our partnerships are based, but we are always looking for partners outside the city, especially uh, innovative schools and after-school programs who are looking to pilot a new system uh, in their community and sort of being a leading force in that. You can find us through our website, which I mentioned earlier, and I'll say again, is www.kinvolved.com. And if you click on the sign up link on the website, you can sign up as a teacher, an after school program coordinator, or a principal, and we'll get an email and respond to you right away with next steps. And remember, it's only if you're innovative. We're just putting that out there. So, you know, for all you boring teachers out there, this is not for you. I think that's a challenge from George. <laughs> Thanks again for coming on, and best of luck. Thank you so much, George. It's easy to be around when I'm a candidate. Meaning when I'm found, I'm a centerpiece. In the moments where I'm losing my identity, I hear him going like I'm soon to be an effigy. Instead of ghosting like a specter or a banshee, you always had a potion you could hand me. Whether any storm, personal or sandy, we're together like a baggage and a gamgee. It's amazing to see and literally be able to measure the power of a properly applied feedback loop, right? That's at the core of what we're talking about. The teacher is able to provide feedback to a parent, not at the end of a semester, but in real time. When you're driving down the street and you see that you're going 10 miles over the speed limit, you immediately adjust, especially if you see that there's a cop there or something measuring your speed as radar. The tighter the feedback loop we can make on whatever behavior modification we want to, in this case, lateness and tardiness, the tighter that feedback loop, the more we'll see a behavioral change out of the, the people involved. I have nothing but confidence in what Convolved is doing, and I only expect to see them grow. I'm just excited that we got to interview uh, Miriam before she becomes uh, a rock star in the social impact space. Well, as always, check us out, wholewhale.com slash podcast. We'll have resources. Find them. They'll be awesome. Take care. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com slash podcast. And consider following us on Twitter at Whole Whale. And thanks for joining us. If you want to just hide or fly in the rainbow skies, her face turned red, a line through her mouth. I see you're still listening, so I'll keep talking. This week's music brought to you by actually a friend of mine named Amin. Uh, title of his album called Hero Ball. Really fun stuff. Great guy working on nonprofits in New York. So give him a look at Bandcamp. Uh, you can also find links to his music at thewholewhale.com slash podcast section for this podcast. 
I mentioned a MVP, a minimum viable product, as a sort of method that Kinvald was using. A product that Whole Whale actually has out right now is allgoodtext.com, which sends weekly text messages based on your Google Analytics data. You choose three metrics, and it will text you every week based on how those metrics are doing one week versus two weeks ago, helping you determine whether or not things are, in fact, all good. All right, take care, and yeah, no, that's about it. Just take care. With his headphones on, and so I run away with my headphones. Find a better place, I was then called. Spin down to the right, send an eye to the left. Fly away from the world with my headphones on, and so I run away with my headphones. Find a better place, I was meant for. Spin down to the right, send an eye to the left. Fly away from the world with my headphones on.